Good evening. A shooting in the Dominican Republic is Russia launching a food war in support of its special operation in Ukraine. We hear about the president's trip to Saudi Arabia, inflation, a world beyond war, and from the victims and people who have spoken to the victims, including actor Matthew McConaughey, on the gunfire that has really gripped the nation for the past several weeks. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. The Dominican Republic's Minister of Environment and Natural Resources, Orlando Jorge Mera, has been shot to death in his office by a close friend. Authorities say the attack took place on Monday night in Mera's fourth floor office in Santo Domingo. Fausto Miguel de Jesus Cruz de la Mota was later arrested after confessing the crime to a priest at a local church. Local media reported at least seven shots were heard and police and emergency officials swarmed the building. There was a panic response to the shots and bystanders jumped a nearby fence. Authorities said they were investigating the motive. Sources close to the probe say the two men had recently been at loggerheads over environmental policy, but details of the dispute weren't clear. The 55-year-old minister came from a powerful political family. Beyond his father, who served as president from 1982 to 1986, his sister is a vice minister in the cabinet of the present president, uh, President Abinader. Uh, his wife is ambassador to Brazil. And Russia's ambassador to the United Nations, Vasily Nepenzia, walked out of a Security Council meeting today as European Council President Charles Michel accused Moscow of being totally responsible for exasperating the global food crisis with its war in Ukraine. The Council's 15 member states convened in Washington for a meeting focused on the effects of Russia's war on women. But Council President Charles Michel uh, 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 made took the opportunity to uh, critique the Russian leaders for their alleged food war as uh, Nebenzia, the uh, Vasily Nebenzia, got up and uh, left at the towards the end of the meeting. Ambassador of the Russian Federation, let's be honest. The Kremlin is using food supplies as a stealth missile against developing countries. I've seen it with my own eyes a few weeks ago in Odessa. Millions of tons of grain and wheat stuck in containers and ships because of Russian warships in the Black Sea. You may leave the room. Maybe it's easier not to listen to the truth. European Council President Charles Michel. Nebenzia had just spoken to the council and rejected accusations that Russia's military has committed sexual crimes in Ukraine during its military campaign, which Moscow has described as a special operation to denazify and demilitarize the former Soviet Republic. We once again wish to emphasize that safety for civilians in Ukraine is not a problem for Russians because we're not bombarding them, but rather Ukrainian radicals and neo-Nazis who are holding hostage whole towns and cities and are making use of civilians as a human shield, not allowing them to leave town. And that's Vasily Nebenzia, Russia's ambassador to the United Nations. In related news, Ukrainian ambassador Sergei Kil- 
Kizilistia, said the country's law enforcement bodies, media, and non-government groups continue to report numerous cases of sexual violence committed by Russian troops. According to the Minister of Interior, he says, minors and elderly women were among the victims of what he called Russian rapists, and fatalities have also been registered. Ukraine's ambassador to the United Nations demanded Russia allow war refugees to leave via roads into Ukraine and not through Russian territory. Another appalling example of Russia's disregard of its own commitments on humanitarian corridors has taken place. Russian side has already sent us a letter with routes to Russia and Belarus only. I call on the Russian side to reverse to the previously agreed routes to allow Ukrainian and foreign citizens to leave for Europe. And that is the uh, Ukrainian ambassador to the U.N. The special representative uh, for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the OSCE, uh, for the group within that organization that combats human trafficking. His name is Valiant Ritchie. In an earlier interview, he told WBAI that refugee camps in Poland and other countries bordering Ukraine have seen an increase of people trolling for destitute women who might be ensnared in prostitution. And in Washington news, the White House today again defended plans for President Joe Biden to meet with Saudi Arabia's crown prince, despite the United States intelligence determination that he ordered the murder of dissident journalist Jamal Khashoggi. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says a trip would serve United States interests. As president, he believes that if there is any way to get peace, he feels like he should take that direction. Saudi Arabia has been a strategic partner of the United States for eight decades. Every president since FDR has met with Saudi leaders, and the president considers Saudi Arabia an important partner on a host of regional and global strategies, including other efforts to end the war in Yemen, contain Iran, and counterterrorism. Saudi pilots flew with ours in the war against ISIS, its Navy patrols with, uh, with ours in the Red Sea and the Gulf, and the U.S. military personnel are based in Saudi Arabia. The president will meet with any leader if it serves the interests of the American people. That's what he puts first. He believes engagement with Saudi leaders clearly meets that test, as has every president before him. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The thaw with Saudi Arabia comes shortly after the ultra-conservative kingdom addressed two of Biden's priorities by agreeing to a production hike in oil, which could help tame rocketing global energy prices and assisting extension of a truce in Yemen's war. The Biden administration wants Saudi Arabia to increase its oil production in the hope more oil from wells would ease supply shortages and bring down prices at the pump. In related news, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen acknowledged today inflation has reached levels that are just too high to be acceptable. The deficit as a share of the economy this year will be at a lower level than CBO projected before the American Rescue Plan passed. Still, we currently face macroeconomic challenges, including unacceptable levels of inflation, as well as the headwinds associated with the disruptions caused by the pandemic's effect on supply chains and the effects of supply-side disturbances to oil and food markets resulting from Russia's war in Ukraine. To dampen inflationary pressures without undermining the strength of the labor market, 
an appropriate budgetary stance is needed to complement monetary policy actions by the Federal Reserve. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. At a Senate Finance Committee hearing, Yellen rejected Republican assertions that the highest inflation in 40 years was caused by Democratic President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, COVID-19 spending legislation passed last year. Yellen repeated her views that inflation was being fueled by supply-demand mismatches, including excessive demand for goods over services during the pandemic and severe supply chain disruptions, adding high energy and food prices caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine also pushed inflation higher. And more than 100 anti-war campaigners traveled to Ottawa last week to protest outside the uh, EY Center, where they obstructed access to the opening of the CANSEC, North America's largest weapons and defense industry convention. Peace activists blocked multiple driveways and pedestrian entrances as attendees attempted to register for and enter the meeting just before Canadian Defense Minister Anita Anand's scheduled opening keynote address. Rachel Small, an organizer with World Beyond War, tells WBAI the same conflicts around the world which have brought misery to millions have brought record profits to arms manufacturers this year. It's a huge weapons fair, so it's where the deals are are made that have weapons being shipped and sold and purchased and procured all over the world. I was there last week with hundreds of people to do whatever we can to to get in its way, to block access specifically to the very opening event of CANSEC, which was when Canada's defense minister was going to be giving the keynote. So we gummed up the works, we created humongous traffic jams and made it very hard for people to get into the opening of the arms fair. You don't seem to mind that that you inconvenience these people. (laughs) Certainly not. I wish we could have inconvenienced them more. I mean, from my perspective, these are the people who have raked in an obscene amount of wealth off of the conflicts around the world that have brought just sheer misery to millions of people around the world, right? Like, these are the greatest concentration of war profiteers, people who just have an an absurd amount of blood on their hands. We we wanted to make it completely impossible for anyone to get into that weapons fair without being forced to, at the very least, confront the bloodshed they're responsible for, confront the violence. Hopefully we'll build power so that we can shut down the arms fair completely in future years. But for now, we worked with an amazing bunch of allies and we're really pleased with how we were able to gum up their works this year. You unfurled some uh, some messages, right? Tell us about those. Yeah, so there were huge sort of 40-foot banners as part of the main protest that said, stop profiting from war, arms dealers not welcome, stop selling war machines. There were some that specifically targeted Lockheed Martin. There were some that specifically honored Shireen and folks who were killed. Sorry, I'm referring to Shireen Abu Akleh, who was the Palestinian journalist who was murdered using an Elbit Systems bullet just recently. And then some of us also snuck inside the fenced-off area of the compound with a giant banner that said blood on your hands, which we unfurled to completely block car access and laid on top of it. You uh, mentioned the bullet, the uh, bullet that killed the journalist, the Palestinian journalist, Shireen, right? Canada has just signed a contract to purchase drones from Elbit Systems, which is Israel's largest weapons maker. And Elbit is what supplies 85% of drones that are used by the Israeli military that are dropping bombs in West Bank, in Gaza, 
And it so happens that Elbit Systems is the main provider of those bullets that were used by the Israeli occupation forces to murder Shireen Abouakli and, of course, many, many other people. So to sort of draw these connections of how these companies all around the world are causing violence and are also raking in it billions in profits this year. The war in Ukraine, how does that play into this? It has been an incredible year for Lockheed Martin, for Raytheon. Lockheed Martin, for example, is one of the main sponsors of Cansec. Their stocks have soared nearly 25% since the start of this year. The CEO of Raytheon told investors early this year, I fully expect we're going to see some benefit from this war. Like, they're, it's blatantly clear that this war is incredible, incredible profits for them. But it's obvious that they're not only sort of competing for military contracts and getting them in this context, they lobby governments to shape their policy priorities to fit the military equipment they are hawking, right? They're not just sort of neutral parties who happen to be benefiting from those wars. They're a huge part of propelling them forward. So we wanted to call out that violence as well. Last week, I know um, I'm lucky to be okay, but I'm seven months pregnant. It was very obvious. And as I was lying on the ground, police were violently dragging me off of the ground. They hurt my friend Murray, who's in his 80s. Again, peacefully resisting this armchair, they tore the rotator cuff in his shoulder. This is just a very small example of police violence, but it's part of what we're up against here. Rachel Small is an organizer with World Beyond War in Canada. The CanSec Arms Expo was expected to bring 12,000 people along with 55 international delegations to Canada's capital in Ottawa, where attendees will hear from an estimated or heard from an estimated 306 exhibitors, including weapons manufacturers, military technology and supply companies, media outlets and government agencies. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Here in the United States, the son of Ruth Whitfield, an 86-year-old woman killed when a gunman opened fire in a racist attack on black shoppers in Buffalo, New York, challenged Congress today to act against the cancer of white supremacy and the nation's epidemic of gun violence. Garnell Whitfield Jr.'s emotional testimony comes as lawmakers are working furiously to strike a bipartisan agreement on gun safety measures in the aftermath of back-to-back mass shootings. Ten days after the shooting death of his mother and nine others in New York by an 18-year-old gunman, another 18-year-old with a semi-automatic rifle opened fire in Uvalde, Texas, killing 19 schoolchildren and two teachers. What are you doing? You were elected to protect us, Whitfield told members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Mrs. Ruth Whitfield was my mother. She was literally and figuratively the heartbeat of our family and my father's soulmate for 68 years. She was the person who held us together, probably just like your mothers did for your families. What I loved most about her was the way she loved her family unconditionally, sacrificing everything for us. Our lives are forever changed, forever damaged by an act of profound hate and evil. And nothing will ever take away the hurt, the pain, or the hole in our hearts. For her to be murdered, taken away from us by someone so full of hate, is impossible to understand and even harder to live with. But we're more than hurt. We're angry. We're mad as hell because this should have never happened. 
we're good citizens, good people. Uh, we believe in God. We trust in God. But this wasn't an act of God. This was an act of a person. And he did not act alone. He was radicalized by white supremacists. His anger and hatred were metastasized like a cancer by people with big microphones in high places screaming that black people were going to take away their jobs and opportunities. Every enforcement agency charged with protecting the homeland has conducted risk and threat analysis and determined that white supremacy is the number one threat to the homeland. And yet, nothing has been done to mitigate or eradicate it. Is there nothing that you personally are willing to do to stop the cancer of white supremacy and the domestic terrorism, terrorism it inspires? My mother's life mattered. My mother's life mattered. And your actions here today will tell us how much it matters to you. And that is Garnell Whitfield, whose mother, 86-year-old mother, was one of the victims at the Topps supermarket in Buffalo, New York. The hearing is the first of two this week as families of the victims and survivors of the mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde appear at public hearings and events on Capitol Hill to show the human toll of America's gun violence and urge Congress to act. And there might be some path to acting. Texas Senator John Cornyn uh, today told a group of reporters he sensed a lot of chin stroking when he briefed his Republican colleagues on the discussions of a bipartisan group of senators working on gun reform. Cornyn is one of nine senators currently working to reach a bipartisan agreement on gun legislation in the aftermath of these multiple mass shootings. He spoke on the Senate floor about it today. And elsewhere. I want to be clear, though, we are not talking about restricting the rights of current law abiding gun owners or citizens. This is a constitutional right, as much as that may go against the grain of some of our colleagues who'd like to see us do things to restrict the rights of American citizens under the Second Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is guaranteed by the Constitution itself. And the vast majority of the Republican conference feels certainly the same way. What I'm interested in is keeping guns out of the hands of those who by current law are not supposed to have them. People with mental health problems, people with, who are, have criminal records. Again, this is about the art of the possible. In order to deliver results, we have to build consensus. And the best way to do that is through targeted reforms. And that's Senator John Cornyn of uh, Texas. But there's still a lot of opposition to any gun regulations on Capitol Hill. Several conservative Republicans have spoken out against red flag laws, arguing mental health is the more significant factor in gun violence. House Minority Whip Stephen Scalise said Sunday that red flag laws are unconstitutional and will not solve gun violence. And a famous son of Evalde, Texas, was given the podium today during the Daily White House press briefing. Actor Matthew McConaughey delivered impassioned and at times emotional remarks at that press briefing. McConaughey is a Uvalde native, and he and his wife, Camila Alves, spent most of the past week with the families of those who were killed in his hometown. He showed pictures of their artwork and brought to the briefing 
room, the green Converse shoes that one girl wore every day that were used to identify her body, identify her body after the shooting. She had drawn a heart on one of the shoes. McConaughey says this is a moment when a route to gun regulation, serious gun regulations, can open up. Loss of these lives matter. So while we honor and acknowledge the victims, we, we need to recognize that this time it seems that something is different. There is a sense that perhaps there's a viable path forward. Responsible parties in this debate seem to at least be committed to sitting down and having a real conversation about a new and improved path forward. A path that can bring us closer together and make us safer as a country. A path that can actually get something done this time. Camille and I came here to share my stories from my hometown of Uvalde. Came here to take meetings with elected officials on both sides of the aisle. Matthew McConaughey, he made this emotional appeal speaking about the meetings he had, including the family of a teacher who was killed, Irma, and her husband who uh, died of a heart attack, of a broken heart, they said, the next day. Then there was a fairy tale love story of a teacher named Irma and her husband Joe. What a great family this was. This was an amazing family. Camille and I, we, 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 we sat with about 20 of their family members in the living room, along with their four kids. Uh, they were Kids were 23, 19, 15, and 13. They, they, they shared all these stories about how Irma and Joe served the community and would host all these parties and how Irma and Joe were planning on getting a food truck together when they soon retired. They were humble, hard-working people. Irma was a teacher who her family said went above and beyond and just couldn't say no to any kind of teaching. Joe had been commuting to and from work 70 miles away in Del Rio for years. Together they were the glue of the family. Both worked overtime to support their four kids. Irma was one of the teachers who was gunned down in the classroom. Joe, her husband, literally died of heartache the very next day when he had a heart attack. They never got to retire, and they never got to get that food truck together. We also met a cosmetologist. She was well-versed in mortuary makeup. That's the task of making the victims appear as peaceful and natural as possible for their open casket viewings. These bodies were very different. They needed much more than makeup to be presentable. They needed extensive restoration. Why? Due to the exceptionally large exit wounds of an AR-15 rifle. Most of the body so mutilated that only DNA test or green converse could identify them. Many children were left not only dead but hollow. You know what every one of these parents wanted, what they asked us for? What every parent separately expressed in their own way to Camilla and me? That they want their children's dreams to live on. That they want their children's dreams to continue to 
accomplish something after they are gone. They want to make their loss of life matter. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. And we need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back they're a step forward for civil society and and the Second Amendment. Look, is this cure-all? Hell no. The people are hurting. Families are, parents are. And look, as is as divided as our country is. This gun responsibility issue is one that we agree on more than we don't. Actor Matthew McConaughey, a, a resident, a native of the city of Uvalde, Texas. Fourth grade teacher Irma Garcia was one of the two faculty members killed during the mass shooting at Robb Elementary in Uvalde. Two days later, her husband and high school sweetheart Joe died from what family members said was a medical emergency, but many are saying was a broken heart. And that's some of the news for Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. The news producer Linda Perry, our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. And the previous program was the WBAI Evening News, heard daily at 6 p.m. Stay tuned for Extinction Rebellion Radio coming up here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. Stay tuned.